I was stuck for a long time and I had to do a lot of healing work because you would be like, this is 10 year old destiny. Like that's responding to this as an adult, or this is 15 year old destiny that's seeing my daughter angry and I don't know how to deal with it because I didn't learn how to deal with anger in a healthy way. So I definitely think that it impacted interpersonal relationships, emotional regulation, my ability to manage stress and distress tolerance for sure. Welcome to Sanctified. Join this congregation weekly where hot girls and holiness align. Where nothing is taboo and revelation is more than the Bible's last book. I'm Deborah Joy Winans. I'm a wife, a mother, a sister, a daughter, a friend, and a lover. And I'm learning to live this life without fear or shame in abundance, the way God intended. And I'm LaVon Briggs. I'm a Queens girl, a joy chaser. I'm a daughter of the church and the diaspora. And I'm a Black woman spiritual leader who's no longer at war with her body. You ready, LaVon? I'm ready, sis. What's up, girl? DJ, how you doing? How you feeling? I'm good. You know, life is lifing, but God is good. I feel good. And I think that's because I have been doing a lot of inner child healing, meaning that I've been loving on little LaVon and remembering all the times that made me feel warm and fuzzy. So many barbecues and recitals and graduations that I can look back on and celebrate. And in order to heal little LaVon, I've also had to think about some times that weren't as warm and fuzzy, right? I'm thinking particularly (laughs) growing up in a Caribbean household, getting beat, child. (laughs) I know we call it different things and some people call it spanking, getting popped, getting whooped, whatever language you use for it, child. Chances are, if you Black, you know something about that. And so today we're talking about sparing the rod. What does that even mean? And might there be more healthy, healing ways to move forward the conversation about disciplining children? Mm -hmm. So yeah, y'all, it's a tender topic today. Please feel free to take care of yourself, but know that we are going to, as always, do our very best to hold this conversation with care and compassion. But before we get into the nitty gritty, child, DJ, I want to know what part of how your parents raised you are you most grateful for? I am very grateful for how my parents raised my brothers and I. You know, I think that they were learning, as we all are, because children do not come with a manual. And a lot of times at the hospital, more often than not, I've heard, y'all really about to give me this baby. What am I supposed to do with this? (laughs) Right. It's really happening. It's here. Yeah. It's really, you don't have a manual. You hopefully have a lot of love and patience and understanding. And I think I got a lot of that um, from my parents growing up. But what about you? What would you take and what would you leave? That's a great question. So I would absolutely take the freedom that my mom blessed me with at an early age. She always wanted to be a flight attendant so she could travel the world, you know, Uh, but she got pregnant with me at 20. So there's that. (laughs) I was her passport. Praise the Lord. Anytime I got a chance to travel, she was like, take it. It didn't matter if it was for school, work, if I was a teenager, grown adult. And so that zest for exploration and culture I got from my mom. Love that. The things I could have done without, you know, very much 
hitting very much, slapping, right? what, what some folks call discipline. Maybe there might have been some other ways to go about that. That's interesting. And the reason why that's so important is because many of us are raised in a particular way around discipline or whoopings, spankings, beatings, whatever language you want to use. And it goes along with the conversation that we're having about the treatment or mistreatment of Black girls and Black women in general. So I mentioned in our pilot episode, Purity Culture is a Scam, uh, this study I'm about to mention. But if you haven't listened to that, go back and tap in. It's a fabulous episode. But Georgetown Law School did a study and they found that Black girls as young as five are seen and perceived by adults as adults. And so a lot of our babies in school, you know, in sports, out in the world, are getting worse punishment just because people have this misconception that Black girls need to be disciplined with a heavier hand. And that's a little scary. You know, the idea that we act fast or, or grown. It's giving racism. <laughs> Among other things. Absolutely. Yeah. And it makes me wonder, where does spanking even come from? I mean, many of us who grew up in church likely heard the scripture, Proverbs 13, 24, where it talks about, he that spareth his rod hateth his son. King James Version, old school, right? But the thing is, people are taking that scripture out of context. I didn't learn this until much later, that that scripture has nothing to do with physically disciplining children and has everything to do with reminding us of the image of the shepherd, right? And a shepherd has a rod to steer and to guide and to protect the sheep, not to beat the sheep (laughs) into submission. And so we have really misused and abused, I would say, that scripture to the point where it's so far from the original meaning of being gentle and teaching and nudging and guiding as opposed to beating. In fact, the shepherd would only use the rod to protect the sheep. So the shepherd will use it to attack who's attacking the sheep. So we should use the rod then to attack the people who are attacking the children, Mm -hmm. in my opinion. In addition, according to a 2017 article by the American Psychological Association, historians have found no evidence that whooping, spanking, beating children was part of normalized practice in pre-colonial West Africa. These practices were brought to West Africa from Europe, the colonizer's child. Childbearing practices became harsher because of colonization and enslavement. And the truth of our really rich heritage is that West Africans believe that children came from the afterlife. That's so beautiful. Like kids are the closest thing we got to God, basically. And that they have these profound spiritual gifts and mystical powers. And in fact, it was believed that coercion and hitting a child could scare off their soul. That's deep. Our babies. I do believe that children are the closest thing to God. They are such a gift. I believe it is our job as parents to treasure that gift, to love that gift. For all of our listeners, there is no one right way. There is no one size fits all when it comes to Mm. raising children uh, because every child is different. Right. And so I think today we want to just offer up more understanding for where things come from and also new tools 
so that you can continue to build and grow your toolkit because we are all ever evolving and growing and your child is ever evolving and growing. And here are some ideas and perspectives that can be beneficial, you know, to go with the things that are working for you and your kids. And then maybe something isn't. And it's like, oh, this is a new tool. We can add this because look. Look at that. Let me put it in my toolkit. It's hard out here, especially for black parents with black children. Yeah. DJ, I know you are a mom and I have not birthed children out of my body, but I do mother, but I am representing the aunties today in the community. Okay. (laughs) And we love our babies so, so much. We do. So let's get into some of the myths and misconceptions around physical discipline. Yes. What's something that you've, you've heard in these streets? While I understand it very well, I think it is a myth because it's not a fact that I am beating my child or spanking my child or whooping them so that the cops don't do it. We recognize that even now in 2023, Mm. you could be a wonderful law-abiding human being and the cops still see you as a threat simply because of the color of your skin. So any discipline measures that we've taken previously to make sure that doesn't happen. That's just, it's just not a fact. You just can't decide, well, if I do this here, they won't do that there. No. Right. So there is a certain level of discipline that you have to understand in your mind. This is not about those people out there because you can't control them people. And while I get it, and it is a major fear, I think we have to have a different motivation because that just is not a fact. That really breaks my heart that parents have to have the talk and we all know what you mean by the talk and, you know, not wearing hoodies in certain neighborhoods. Like there's just so much that our children have to contort about themselves just to try to survive this system. And I'm just like, fuck the system, burn the whole thing down. It is so unfortunate. And while I do believe there is a level of discipline that is is for protection. I think that you have to check your motivation as a parent and understand, well, why am I doing this? Right. What is going on with my child right now? And what is the best course of action for them now? Right. As opposed to, I'm going to do this here now so they don't do it out there. Like that, there's got to be something real. You have to understand why you're doing what you're doing. And how it's going to affect them in the long run. And that sounds like interrogation and accountability to me. Not even interrogation. That's so loaded. Like consideration, right? The idea that I'm going to consider what this child needs. Not because I was raised this way and my mama was raised this way. But what's going to work for this child? Because raising children doesn't mean controlling them, right? I'm thinking of... Candice Bimbo, our testifier on the My Mama and Me episode, which if you haven't listened to, go check that out. But she really gushed about how her mother knew that she was a gift from God and that Candice didn't belong to her. She was simply tasked with the, you know, the great care and responsibility of nurturing her. And so Candace talked about how her mom gave her space to flourish and grow and be and do. And I think 
that's something that, you know, I would have appreciated in my childhood was that, yes, your job is to protect me and to provide for me. But at the same time, you're telling me to take risks and to think big and to think outside the box and to trust God. So when you tell a child that, you know, <laughs> we're not going to be easy to control. And I don't think we're supposed to be controlled. So I'm glad that we're, you know, expanding this concept around children and space and agency and growth. Yeah, I think part of just redefining what parenting is, you always have to make sure you are centering the development of your child. You are always paying attention to who they are, how they're growing, how they're developing, what they need, what they don't need, and recognizing that they are, while they're miniature, they are human and they have feelings and they have thoughts and they don't always know how to express them, but they are true gifts. And so right. <laughs> understanding them and centering who they are and what they need, I think is going to be a big help in the idea of really moving parenting forward and and adding tools to the toolkit. It's not, you know, we're not going to be stagnant. It's really making sure every child feels seen and heard and loved. And I think that starts with making sure you see them as someone that needs that love and respect and that care. Yeah. And I think when you see children as little human beings, you can see them as a whole person. And then you're like, I am in relationship with this other whole person, thus making our shared mutual learning, you know, a gift. And I actually believe that communication between parent and child is holy and sacred. And I would go so far as to even parallel it to our relationship with God. You know, growing up in church, we definitely refer to God as Father. <laughs> and so, Father God. And so, you can't help but think, well, how does my relationship with my parent parallel, affect, transform my relationship with God? And so I'm thinking about times when I got in trouble and it was, you know, wait till your father gets home. And I'm like, okay, you know, first of all, the terror of waiting for him to get home. And then I'm like, well, if my father is supposed to make me fearful, is God the father supposed to make me fearful too? Like it was just... It wasn't the most healthy way <laughs> to introduce me to Father God, quote unquote, but I'm grateful that you get older, you get wiser, you learn and you do better. And I realized that my parents did the best that they could, right, with what they had. Something that I long for in my own mothering journey is to really tap into the fact that our emotional regulation as the adults in the relationship is key. So parents, caregivers, it reminds me of this book that I read. <laughs> I'm laughing because I tried talking to some Baptist folk about it and they were not having it, but it's called The Conscious Parent, Transforming Ourselves, Empowering Our Children by Dr. Shafali Sabri. And in it, she talks about how to be a conscious parent, you need to first manage your own behavior, thoughts, and feelings first. And they were like, ma'am, this child's going to do what I want them to do. That's real cute, your little philosophy over there. And so I'm like... I'm, I'm so grateful that we're having this conversation because it means more parents are interested in raising children in mindful, emotionally intelligent ways. And, and that's gorgeous. So for you, DJ, did you learn emotional regulation growing up? 
I think that I did to a certain extent because it wasn't just you did something wrong, I'm about to beat you. My parents talked to us. They shared why, you know, this was wrong, why they were disappointed or why it was harmful and the reason why they said no and, and all the other things that could have happened. But by the grace of God, it didn't. And so in that way, I did get it. But what's interesting to me is a lot of times as parents, we think while we make sure we're communicating with our child, making sure our child understands what's going on, what we expect, what they need. And if they want something, all they have to do is use their words and speaking wonderful things over them and telling them that they are God's creation and they are lovely and they are perfect and they are enough. All of those things are great, but I think sometimes we forget that our children listen. And so while the discipline portion and the spankings or the whoopings, I believe I'm better for, There are other things that between my parents that I may have been privy to that that was not good for me, that left more of a scar than the discipline. You know what I mean? And so I think that we have to remember to emotionally regulate with our children and with ourselves and with our spouses to create that home, that atmosphere that feels safe and feels full of love. I love that. And thank you for sharing that, DJ, that really is quite tender, you know, to talk about what we inherited from our parents. You know, we, (laughs) in our household, it was very much do as I say, not as I do, which for me, I've always been a rabble rouser. I'm like, nah, nigga, like if you could do that, I'm gonna do it too. You know, so (laughs) what I do want to lift up though, is a moment where I really felt the softness and the care from my mom. So when I was 12 years old and I did this science project on heart rates, you know, I had to like measure the heart rate of someone sitting still, doing moderate exercise, heavy exercise, what have you. Anyways, one of those things where like, because you're focusing on it, now it comes into your psyche like a lot. You know, when you decide your dream car is a Ferrari, then you see Ferraris everywhere. It was like that. And so one night, I'm noticing my heart rate. And for whatever reason, 12-year-old LaVon was like, oh my gosh, my heart is beating too fast. I'm going to die, right? (laughs) And I told my mom, she's like, why are you crying? What's going on? I was like, my heart, I'm going to die. And so she told me to lie down. She's caressing my shoulder really gently. And she's like, if you feel like you're going to die, then you say your prayers and you ask God to get you into heaven. And she was just so sweet. And she saw my fear, you know? I didn't die, obviously, (laughs) but I loved feeling that cared for by my mom. And so those are more of the soft moments that I hope we can, you know, have for our children. While it seems like a small moment in time, it was so significant. And we just never know what is going to stick and make our children feel that feeling that they need in the moment where they're looking for something to hold on to, because we have those in life. And being able to sit down and think about someone you love that you know loves you, that it gives you that warm, tender feeling. Oh, my gosh. I really love that story. Okay, go ahead, because we have someone wonderful to talk to. We have more warm feelings in store for y'all, okay? (laughs) Today's testifier, Destiny Ann, is the mother of two beautiful daughters. She is a peaceful parenting TikTok influencer and a certified parent coach and spokesperson for the Jai Institute for Parenting. 
Her growth along her parenting journey has resonated with millions, both those who have children and those who don't. So let's hear from Destiny Ann now. My name is Destiny Ann, and this is my testimony. I became a mom at 19, but I was not really present. My mom was pretty much my daughter's mom. I was in school. I worked three jobs. I was in the clubs. <laughs> so my mom was, she was Olivia Pope and it was handled. I definitely got spanked as a child. I mean, from like the age of two, I experienced arbitrary punishments and I also spent a lot of time alone as a kid. And I think we don't talk about how that can be traumatizing as well in terms of stunting development with interpersonal relationships. I was adultified like a lot of us, especially as black women. And I was the quote unquote independent child. And so I appeared to not need help, but emotional support and emotional development was definitely stunted because I seemed like I knew what I was doing. And I really owned that after a while. I was like, I got it. I don't need help, but I definitely did. I've always believed that children should be honored and respected because of the childhood that I had and the trauma that I experienced. And I didn't want to do that to my children. Respecting a child is giving them structure. It is giving them discipline. It is preparing them to be an adult. And that really shifted for me when my five-year-old was born because she is wild and outspoken. And so I always was a peaceful parent, but that combination of compassion and discipline or peace and structure was something that I had to develop over time. We are in the thick of the disciplining right now. And my preteen is the one who first experienced me as like a big sister. And I coddled her when my mom passed away. It was very easy for her. I was very permissive. I didn't want to upset her. I wanted her to like me. And so now that she is experiencing more discipline and I'm less of the friend and more of the mom, it's triggering to me to see her get angry because we've never experienced that. It's triggering to me to see her struggle with things, struggle with homework, struggle with getting up in the morning. She was homeschooled for the majority of her life. And sometimes I do. I'd be wanting to spank. I'd be wanting to yell. I really do because that's what I saw and that was modeled. But I've practiced and I've learned emotional regulation. And I recognize that anytime I want to punish or shame, it's a me thing. And so it's really important for me to take a step back emotionally regulate in order to still discipline, but from a place of empowerment and not from a place of shame, because ultimately I have to meet her where she is. My dream for my daughters is acceptance. And I just want them to accept themselves fully. I want my daughters to love themselves. They're both so different. And I hope that the love that I share and give to them is something that they take with them and they feel worthy and important and valuable, regardless of what room they're in, what conversation they're having and who they're around. My name is Destiny Ann and that is my testimony. We'll be right back with the fellowship after this. Destiny and welcome to Sanctified. 
It is an honor, a joy. I'm so glad to be sharing space with y'all. Oh, we're so happy to have you. Thank you for your testimony. It was absolutely stunning. And in it, I love that she said, you believe children should be honored and respected. And that idea actually aligns with the beliefs of our West African ancestors. And you also talked about respecting a child as giving them the combination of compassion and discipline or peace and structure. So good. So can you describe the parts that were missing for you as a child? I would say the biggest thing that was missing for me as a child was my parents' understanding of development and where my brain was. And so I don't feel like I was met where I was at. And there were expectations that just were not realistic. That and then the compassion piece kind of fell off because they didn't understand where I was at developmentally. That's so interesting. So then how do you feel like the discipline that you received as a child sort of shaped your outlook on life as an adult? I think it's this idea, right, that you're kind of graduating past a grade that you're not supposed to be in. And so you start to mask and pretend like you're emotionally mature. And so I think that there are many ways where I am. It's like that arrested development where I was stuck for a long time and I had to do a lot of healing work because you would be like, this is 10 year old destiny. Like that's responding to this as an adult or this is 15 year old destiny that's seeing my daughter angry and I don't know how to deal with it because I didn't learn how to deal with anger in a healthy way. So I definitely think that it impacted interpersonal relationships emotional regulation, my ability to manage stress and distress tolerance for sure. And if you don't mind, how were you disciplined? What was seen as discipline in your household? The whole gambit. You're going to take the phone. We're going to do the switch. We're going to do the bell. Fresh out the tub. I mean, my earliest memory of getting spanked was probably at like two. And I got spanked like every night. Like I couldn't go to bed. I was scared to go to sleep. And that was like, my parents' way of getting me to go to bed was being spanked. So that was a major part of my childhood, for sure. I think that we all have moments, um, and as I was sharing with LaVon earlier, moments that are solidified in our mind, especially with our parents, of great moments and bad moments. LaVon shared about her mom holding space and compassion and love for some fear. <laughs> Levon thinking her heart was going too fast and she wasn't going to make it. And it was a fear. It was a genuine fear. And while I'm sure her mom was like, girl, you ain't going to die. She was able to give her this moment that she can call back now all these years later. That was a moment of trust and feeling understood and seen and loved. What was a moment that you can recall with your mom that you feel like you want to give to your daughters? Oh, man. My mom was very empathetic and very compassionate. And I do have memories just like that where she didn't try to talk me out of my feelings. She understood and she listened. She was not the disciplinarian at all. She would take my phone and I have it back, you know, three days later. But I have so many memories of... I have one in particular. I was in college. It was like my second year of college. And this is the first time I failed. So I was devastated and I still had that safety. So I was calling my mom. But, you know, with that mindset of like, oh, Lord, I wasted her money. She's going to be so mad. And I told her, I was like, mom, I failed. And she was like, I got to go. And I'm thinking like, there's something wrong. She came to my apartment 
and just like laid in the bed with me all night. And she was like, I know you're disappointed in yourself. And I'm about to cry now. I'm oh God. But that was really big for me because she recognized like you're already beating yourself up right now. You just need safety. You need warmth. And she gave me that. And I try to do the same thing for my daughters. Listen, Destiny, and God gave us tear ducts for a reason. Use them, honey. Okay. <laughs> the tears are healing. You shared how you healed from being the big sister, <laughs> right? As opposed to the mother to now being the parent with your children. And so while the journey is nuanced and layered, I want to help our listeners with something a little more practical. So can you share some of the practical ways that you've moved through transitions in parenting your girls without physical discipline? So I've never like hit my kids. So I wasn't coming from the authoritarian side of parenting. I was very permissive. What we think of when we say, you know, I'm not your best friend. Like, yeah, that was me. I was the best friend. There were no boundaries. Um, There wasn't any schedules, any routines. It was, I was coddling my daughter. I wanted her to like me basically. Got it. I put it under the like guise of I wanted her to feel safe and have so much love, but it wasn't that. I just was a child raising a child that lost her mom. So it was, I just didn't know what I was doing. And we were both grieving and I just wanted her to feel good. And I just wanted to feel good. I'm like, I'm not going to go back and forth with her about ice cream. Like we both said, we both need ice cream. That part. <laughs> but that soon translated into a very, very challenging environment for, for both of us. And so The first thing that I had to do was take accountability. And that's still a journey because there was arrested development for her. She got stuck in places. And so now that she's 10, there's things that she struggles with. And I have to put my big girl panties on and like take accountability. I'm like, sis, this is hard and it's not your fault. And we still got to do it. And I respect your feelings. And we still got to do it. <laughs> you call her sis for me. Yeah, yeah, no. I mean, that's never going to go nowhere. Like, she's she <laughs> in that regard. But I'm mom a thousand percent now. And so accountability. And then I got clear on what my values were. And I started building boundaries around those values. I was like, I don't want to just, okay, I'm going to do what I think I'm supposed to do or what the lady at the grocery store is making me feel like I'm supposed to do in their tantrum. What really matters to me? And I'm going to build boundaries around that. And then the last piece is being okay and being compassionate when she inevitably hates the boundary and pushes against it and gets angry. I hold space. The other day she was washing the dishes, just like, oh my God, this sucks. Nobody cares, blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, I hear you. Okay. All right. Here's the timer. You hurry up. You'll be running in five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I see you, sis. Yeah, exactly. I see you, sis. I hear exactly what you're saying. And also do the dishes. <laughs> I love that. You know, it sounds like I'm hearing parts of myself in your story, in your daughters, specifically the youngest one who you said is very outspoken and wild. Phoenix. Phoenix. Come on, Phoenix. What a beautiful name. Yeah, she's like, she calls herself Firebird. And I'm like, yes, you are. Period. <laughs> Heat and flight. Come on, baby. Yes, all of that. So she obviously is living into her name. She sounds very confident and free-spirited. So what has been your proudest parenting moment in, in raising Phoenix? She is just so good at showing me that what I'm doing is actually working. Not all the time, but she's so 
it's not how she treat me. I'm the safe space. I said it all the time. It's so hard being the safe space. But the way that she treats humans and other kids and her sister, the way that she's able to say sorry and communicate with manners at the same time, not at the expense of her self-esteem. Like you said, she's very confident. She tells you what she wants, but she has like that marriage of confidence and compassion. And I love that about her. She's her own person, but she allows people to be their own person as well. Even at five. That's so beautiful. Like the freedom and liberation and being ourselves unlocks that in others. And I love that at five, that baby is a gift from God. Okay. There's a scripture that says you will know them by their fruit. And that is evidence that the fruit is fruiting in y'all's life, okay? And the fruit is also fruiting online because you, beloved, are a TikTok slash social media influencer out here. I own it now. Yes, I am. Yes, period. (laughs) Okay. How did social media, TikTok specifically, become the space that you decided to use to share your parenting content? Thank God for my 10-year-old. She was like, Ma, you got to get on TikTok. I was a business coach for moms. That's how I originally started out on social media. And my daughter was like, you should be making TikToks. And I think I made one like productivity video or something. And from there, there were more questions about motherhood than there was business. It kind of just took off from there. It's not a lot of us. You know, it's not a lot of beautiful people in the space talking about respectful parents. Beautiful Black women, sisters. Yes, 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 yes. yes. It's not a lot of us. So it was, I think that that was kind of like shocking and visceral and it resonated with a lot of people because it was still very vulnerable and very real. I'm very honest about my shortcomings and my struggles and my journey. Okay, sis. So you said it. It's not a lot of us that understand peaceful parenting. And praise God, I think it's so wonderful that that people are able to see the beauty and all of it and see something real, see something authentic. I don't want to see your Instagram life. I want to see practical ways that I can apply something to help make my life what I want it to be. I don't want the fake. I need something real and authentic. What has been the response from Black women to your understanding of peaceful parenting and just a more gentle way to see your children and love on your children and discipline your children. Have we been supporting you the way we should? I honestly get really good feedback. I think it's because, like I said, I'm real and honest about it. And I share a lot of stories in the moment stories. There are videos of my daughter and myself where I'm helping her calm down. And so I've gotten really good feedback. I will say though that there's some words that just ring a different way in our community that, you know, sometimes my community members have a heart. Things like respect. Um, that's like a big thing that they're like, I don't know, the the friend conversation, those kind of things where it's like we've just been indoctrinated for certain phrases to be a little triggering. And I kind of, you know, we have open conversations about that. Spanking is definitely one for sure. <laughs> I love that because if we have the conversation, then we can learn and we can grow, right? Our ancestor, Dr. Maya Angelou said, when you know better, you do better. And so I am certain that there is a Black mama, caregiver, guardian, auntie, somebody who's listening, (laughs) whose only reference growing up has been physical discipline. But now that they're older, maybe they're, you know, open to learning new tools. What advice do you have for them 
what tools can they add to their toolbox? I think that it starts with what I said earlier with uncovering our values, because oftentimes there's like this cognitive dissonance between what we believe and what we're actually acting upon. And I think that there's so much positive feedback. You'd be surprised how many people on Instagram are like, she need a beat in and you need to be. And I'm like, it's common for us to say that. Like, I know your values are not rooted in what you're saying right now. And this is society. And I think that it's important to ask ourselves, why do I believe that this is okay? I've heard you say that word values a couple times now. And you're right that I can imagine people being in that comment section. There's a 2015 Pew Research study that found that Black parents are more than twice as likely as white and Latino parents to use physical discipline on a regular basis. And so could you mention a few of your core values? Freedom is my number one value. Connection and communication are close second. To me, I see it as God is really using you to help people understand all the facets of his love. I believe kids are a gift. They are little angels, and it is our job to love them and see them as that gift and cherish them and protect them. And so I love what you're doing. And I think in part of doing that is we watch what we say. You know, our, we can speak life or we can speak death. And I think that when you are parenting in this way and you are seeing your children as full human beings, you are speaking life to them. I know what I like to say to my baby, but what are some of the affirming things that you speak to your daughters on a daily basis so that they are being everything that they want to be and need to be? Yeah, so I'm really big on consistency when it comes to connection and compassion, those things that I value. So first of all, I call them sweet girl. Every time I talk to them, both of them are sweet girl. The oldest, I always tell her, you are the light. I say that to her when she's leaving, you know, respect yourself, respect others and have a good time. So I say to her every time she goes to school, something else, I'm always singing to them and I'm always sharing love in that way. I have songs, like special songs for both of them that I've sang to them since they were two and, you know, the 10 year old now, she's like, oh, like she'll sing it with me. <laughs> but I think that it's important to have like those little pieces, those core memories that we carry with us. And it's also for the five-year-old, like a calming tool for her when I sing. I mean, it, when it's in moments where it's like nothing else is working, I will turn the lights off and we sing, I sing Bethel to her, Shana Wilson. And Ooh, that's a song, honey. Yeah. So it's really quick. It's like a, I was in therapy and it's like this therapy technique where you create a space, a place that you can go when you're anxious and you sit there and you map out every single detail of that place and you kind of take yourself there in the name. I call it Bethel. That's what my safe space is. Ooh. Yeah. So I kind of gave her that and it literally every single time it, it calms her. And so I'm very big on like mirror neurons, which is when I'm calm, they experience that calm. I can invite them into my calm. And so Bethel is for me to calm down right when she's tantruming and she feels that warmth and it impacts her nervous system as well. You know, even just your voice is so soothing, <laughs> Destiny Ann. And thank you 
for bringing up sweet girl because I realize my therapist will call me sweet girl sometimes. And my inner child is just like glowing. Like, yes, I am a sweet girl. So I feel like Black girls and Black women need to hear that. Thank you for that. Yes, we are sweet. We are. We are so sweet. Mm. Thank you so much, Destiny Ann. This was amazing. You are tremendous. And I pray God continues to take you higher and higher and allow people to really see the great work that you're doing. Yes, yes. Thank you for that. Thank you. Absolutely. You're worthy, beloved. Many thanks to Destiny Ann. She was absolutely lovely. But make sure you come back. We're taking a short break and coming up is offering time. Hold on, y'all. Before we get to the offering, we got some church announcements. We are so very grateful for all the love you've been showing Sanctified. It is affirming and we feel it. And we want to continue to build and welcome more of you into the Sanctified community. So we need you to do a couple things, okay? Number one, please tap the follow button so you are notified of everything we do over here at Sanctified. Numero dos, don't forget to rate us on the Spotify app. Tap the star and give us five of them things, chow. And tap that bell so you are notified as soon as a new episode is released. All right, all hearts and minds are clear. That's it for our church announcements. Let's get into the offering. Now, you know we love offering here at Sanctify because offering is a time where we want to give you something affirming to walk away with. So stay out your pockets, child. We got you. (laughs) (laughs) LaVon, I think this episode was so beautiful. I think that we were given new tools. I think that I would love for our listeners to understand you have the ability to choose. You have the ability to grow, to learn, to evolve. And so do your children. And so remember your values. Check your motivation. And do everything from a place of love so that your child, that special gift that God has given you, always feels that love. Yeah, this is a very tender episode because even though we're talking about parenting children, we were all children at one point in time. And I think some of us are reparenting the little kids that live on the inside of us, right? And so Destiny Ann's core values of freedom, connection, and compassion Those to me just sound like a really juicy, gentle reframing of a parenting holy trinity, right? That you bring these different elements in and co-create a new way of bringing up these babies in the most gentle and peaceful way possible. And just really quickly, following Destiny in and listening to all of the tips and tools and resources that she has really just... Emotional regulation is a journey, right? So just even learning what it is and starting to put that into practice could be super, super helpful. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing this space with us. Come on back next week and bring a sister friend with you. Or two. Or three. Also email us at sanctified at unbotherednetwork.com and let us know what you'd like to hear us talk about. And remember, as always, you you are worthy. Sanctified is a Spotify original series produced in partnership with Jamel Hill's Unbothered Network, Lodge Freeway Media, and Exit 39. Hosted by Deborah Joy Winans and LaVon Briggs. 
From Unbothered Network, Lodge Freeway Media, and Exit 39, executive producers are Jamel Hill and Evan Dick. Head of content for Unbothered is Christina Tapper. Head of network operations is Rich Burner. Creative producer is Ashley J. Hobbs. From Spotify, executive producer is Christina Tapper. Creative executive is Grace Delia. Senior program manager is Jessica Dow. And program manager is Jenna Lonergan. Special thanks to all the cross-functional teams at Spotify that helped bring this program to life. This episode includes original music produced by Cheyenne G. New episodes of Sanctified come out every Wednesday, only on Spotify. So be sure to hit that follow button so you never miss an episode.